Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Amanda Ferjuel, who is a single mother, multiple business owner, and entrepreneur, as well as an international performer, elite athlete, and is an expert in creative problem solving and time management. Fantastic. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You're so, so welcome. Can you expand a bit more on you know, your multiple businesses? Where are you today with your business? And you know, who is it that you love to work with? Oh, I love to work with a lot of people, which is why I have so many businesses. But I have multiple businesses. I have a, a couple of fitness studios in Hawaii. I have a lifestyle brand I work with out of Idaho. My co-author and business partner lives in Thailand. So I'm all over the world in that respect. But my main job, we'll call it, is a business consultant and creative strategist. I love working with small businesses to help them grow and understand how it is to be a business owner, what you need to up-level yourself and to really grow within your business. And that's such a hard thing for a lot of people when they start a business because... You have all this passion for what you love to go. I I love underwater basket weaving and I'm going to share it with the world. And then you get to doing the actual business. You're like, oh, apparently having an underwater basket weaving business means I have to learn spreadsheets and like taxes and numbers. And so I help people take their passion into an actual viable business that can be a legacy for them. And that's what I love to do. Love it. Yeah, That entirety of the yes. Oh my gosh, you want to go in and do the job, serve the people in a way you want to do. But spoiler, what comes with it? What are all the other hats you have to wear? And it's a juggling act. And no one tells you stuff when you first start. So mm-hmm. I love that you, you're piecing this together too, probably through trial, error, experience. You've been there, done that. Yes. What is it? So what is it like for you as, as your new clients come through? What, what is it that you find like time and time again is like first step? Here's what you have to help you to work through so that they can really take those first few steps. The thing that I was surprised is a big issue with a lot of the a lot of challenge that a lot of my clients have is that first step into understanding an entrepreneurial mindset versus the, the nine to five mindset. So mm. a lot of my And some of this is a a cultural shift we've had in the last, I would say, five or six years, the work ethic, the way people perceive business and perceive perceive being an entrepreneur. So a lot of that comes with, oh, well, now that I own my business, I don't have to work or I can take as many vacations as whenever I want because I own my business and I don't have to work on a weekend now because I own my business and all I want my weekends off. Mm. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting those things. It's more that you have to shift the perspective of 
I work Monday through Friday, nine to five. Like, no, you don't. You now work Saturday from one to two and you work Sunday from 8.32 to 8.37. And then you work Monday from 10 to 10 and it's going to shift and it's going to change. And what you need, you're saying with with hats, the hat that you're wearing that day is going to shift your schedule and shift your mindset. And the other big one that's evolved around mindset is everyone's so supportive of you starting a new job. They're less supportive of you starting a business and you're going to get those naysayers first. You're like, well, how do you think you're going to make this work? And you don't have any experience in this. And then if you don't have those people, you've got the people who you thought were going to support you or like, oh, my best friends, of course, I'm going to support your business. I, I'm going to support this, this, this. But then you have different opinions about what support means. Mm. Is that monetary support? It's like, you're going to come to my shop and buy 50 candles a week. Are you going to take all the classes I teach? Or are you going to share my post on social media or show up to an event I'm throwing? Like, what does that mean? And then you get to this like wall (laughs) where you think that people aren't supporting you at all. And sometimes they aren't. And that's the worst when you've got like your immediate family, your spouse, your best friends. That right there is all about perceptions. So it's what we, what we, expectations, what we expect to happen. Oh my gosh, surely everyone should be liking all the posts you're putting out there, encouraging, sharing, helping, because, oh my gosh, that could make such a difference. However, people without that mindset, it's not their fault. They just don't understand how this could play a role, what that person is actually needing from them. And yeah, you could like all, all my dog and cat photos, what about the business post? Cricket. Why? And that starts to play. So we're talking about, maybe we're talking about cycles here. So easy to get stuck into a negative cycle through something that actually wasn't actually negative, but it's the perception. Can you talk to that? Maybe different cycles that you see entrepreneurs having that is, yeah. is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it is a mindset thing because, <laughs> and I was just talking to a client with this like two days ago. No one's ever liking my post, blah, 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 blah. Victim, victim, victim. Like, well, have you asked anybody to like your post? Have you reached out to someone and requested that they give you help in that? Have you asked for help? Mm. Well, no. Okay, well, you can't get mad at them for having lives outside of you because you will never, no one will ever be as passionate about your business as you are about it. So you can't expect every day, even your best friend, isn't scrolling on Instagram going, Oh, I have to make sure I check out so-and-so's post today because it's even your best friend, even your mom has things to do. So Mm. they're not as invested, even if they're supporting you from a mental standpoint, they may not be checking their feed six times a day and liking everything you say and commenting and then sharing Mm -hmm. it and reposting it. And if if we're talking mindset, let's go, let's go one more level deep with that because now we're bleeding into their mindsets. We all are looking after number one. We have to. It's programmed into us. It's natural. Good. Biological. But there's also those those fears and doubts that come with that of, oh, if I start doing this for that person or I keep doing this, what does that say about me? Where are your fears in this? Where are you scared for that person starting a business? Uh, what triggers you because you're jealous about it? Oh, my gosh. We, oh, yeah. Then you're entering sort of their world. There's, this is a soup. There's so much that sort of goes into that. Um, oh, Yeah. How's that been for you as obviously you progress through multiple businesses? Um, what's your, let's talk about the transition, your transition of, of going from identity to identity of growing yourself and maybe leaving certain things behind. 
things, scenarios, people. People. What's that like? The first, uh, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. And I would say the first year, luckily or unluckily, depending on how you think about it, I was very much a bulldozer. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't need anybody. I can do it on my own. I don't need any help. And the problem with that mindset is if you want to do it fast, you do it by yourself. If you want to go far, you have to have other people and there have to, the, the idea of being a leader isn't, isn't simply, I'm going to create this and people will follow me blindly because I'm a leader. Well, no, mm. <laughs> you have to inspire someone to lead you. You can't just, and this isn't like a regime, like you don't want your business to be a regime where they're literally a, a dictatorship. If you will do what I do because I say it, and that is it. I mean, this yeah. isn't like 1950s household. This is, that's not what we're wanting here. That's not really what, what creates loyalty and creates the drive to succeed and to push further and to innovate. That isn't what's going to get you there. A true leader is usually the one in the back, you know, the one who's going after that, the weakest link, somebody who's trying to push everybody and inspire everybody and, and get them on that same value mission, core values mm. that you're trying to push forward. It, it, you can't just bulldoze and say, and I was a bulldozer. I will hundred percent admit I, the way my personality works, I just bulldoze like you, that's my way or the highway. There is only one right, right way. I admit that Yeah. for anyone listening, please don't do that. It was, I, I, I'm not saying I didn't get anywhere. I'm just saying when you're climbing the ladder, you don't have to push everybody down on your way up. You mm -hmm. don't have to do that. And I did it. Yeah. And, and I guess there was a whole host of sort of fears that came into that that were actually controlling, maybe that you didn't know at the time. There's an awful lot of things, but I, I love what you said. It's either do you want to go fast or far. If you want to go fast, plow, 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 go, go, go. Where are you going to end up? That's open for interpretation. If you want to go far, people, collaborations, mm -hmm. partnerships, yes. community, help. Now that yeah. I think is the, the biggest key there. So what, what would you say during, during your evolution, again, maybe in, in the later years, if, if we want to call them that, what's the best help that you had? Was it help that you asked for that you knew you needed? Was it some magical figure or system to come out of the woodwork? What was it that you, that helped you the most right now, yeah, recently? Uh, I am notoriously horrible about asking for help. I will admit that. that doesn't I can do mean, it all on my own, damn it. It's, I don't know. I think I was partially raised in this you know, idea of if you want it done right, you do it yourself. I, yeah. I, I acknowledge that. And it's both a strength and a weakness of my character. I, yeah. I will always buckle down and get it done. However, it's made it really difficult for me to ask for help when I need it. And some of the most important or biggest changers for me was probably about seven or eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago, time is weird, but maybe it was 10 years ago. I met with another business consultant and we clicked and I didn't ask for help. I hired help. It was like, well, I don't, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to hire you because I couldn't, I couldn't even ask for their opinion. I needed to pay for it because I, that felt secure and strong. And like, I, I'm strong, independent woman that felt okay. Like paying someone yeah. for help, but asking for help was not something I could do. I couldn't, I couldn't rely on people. I wasn't paying. Mm. Uh, and even though that's a bit of a weird, like I acknowledge that's a weird way to think of things. It changed everything. Having another entrepreneur 
who had been there as well, who could see the forest for the trees. I mean, that's one of the big issues is a lot of times the best coaching relationships aren't necessarily, I have no idea what to do. What do I do? It's more like I have done lots of things. I have gone so far and now I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I know what to do. And that's where I was in a lot of it. It's like, I've achieved a lot. I mean, I've got the six figures. I'm doing all the things, but like now I can't see why I am stuck. Mm. And a good coach will see why you're stuck and then call you out on it. Yeah. So what, what was it? What was it for you? Where were you? What was that level? Where were you stuck? Uh, I was personally stuck in uh, a little bit of my my steamroller bulldozer, and, and also my communication style. I didn't really understand behavioral styles at the time. So mm-hmm. the way people accept and hear and and understand communication can be different. And because I considered myself to be a high communicator, like I have, and in my head, I'm like, well, I have a nice vocabulary. So that makes me a communicator. Mm, Not really. I'm saying a thing. Why aren't they getting it? Oh my God. Exactly. Like I'm saying it, here's the bullet points. Like, why aren't they doing the things that I'm saying? Because here they are written out in black and white, plain English. However, the interpretation and the, the meaning behind it. And depending on their, their behavioral style, that the way I was saying it could either just be completely white nonsense noise to them or scare them away or intimidate them with just an email. And so I, I when I learned really and under, fully understood some of the, the triggering words for a lot of behavioral styles and learned how to communicate in a way that people wanted to communicate, not in the way I wanted to communicate, but in the way mm-hmm. they wanted to communicate, that made a huge difference in a shift in how I was able to motivate my my teams, how I was able to uh, get what I wanted. I, I mean, it makes it sound like to get what I want. But you know, when you're trying to be productive, when you have an end result, the way you communicate your needs for that result makes a difference in whether or not you yeah, actually get what you're, and you're setting you boundaries. Down. Yeah, oh, that element you just said there, and it's like, oh, I'll get what I want. Look, let's call a spade a spade. We all want to get what we want. The business is set up for a certain then we have conversations, relationships, because there's some need that we actually, we're trying to get or something we need to give. Business is the same. We want it to succeed. We want it to have an impact, create revenue, so we can use it for our family, reinvest, all the good stuff. So it's like, yeah, we we do want, there's a purpose. There's a purpose yeah. for all of this. There's a purpose for this podcast. So you can share your story to reach more people. There's a purpose for communication with the team. It's like, do the fucking job that, that you want them to do. That's kind of the point. So. Where was the where was the biggest shift? Was it with you seeing how you're projecting and communicating, or was it with understanding ah oh, where they are, how they're receiving it? What would you think is was the biggest change for you? Well, I would say in the immortal words of Taylor Swift, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And when you come down to most entrepreneurs, when there's a big problem and you're looking at like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? You look at the common denominator. And if the Mm. common denominator and all the situations and all the businesses across everything is the owner, yeah, guess what? It's you. You're the problem. And that's a really horribly hard pill to swallow. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a big old ego hit. And you got to get over it as an entrepreneur. If you actually want to see growth and you actually want your business to expand to a way that it could be a legacy for your family, something you can sell to somebody else and, and, you know, make, push the, push that, that agenda, whatever it is, that, that purpose forward, you're going to have to get off your high horse a little bit and 
realize that you don't have all the answers. Like put yourself in the room with people who are smarter than you because mm-hmm. just because you own the business doesn't mean you're the smartest person in the room and it shouldn't be. And in fact, if you're the smartest person, you need to get a bigger room with different people because they're not going to do you any service. They're not going to push your business forward if, if you're the smartest person there. Yeah. Like, now, yeah, thanks to Taylor, we can now quote that song. I mean, yes, perfect, forever. beautiful. It's, 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 that's revealing. And again, with Taylor, that's a great example. You've seen her transition, what her songs were saying before, how she's matured and what she's actually saying now. And again, that's open to interpretation. There's a lot of artistic license in that. However, for us entrepreneurs like, we see one message there is clear and simple. I was going to ask you, what, why is it so hard for entrepreneurs to, to look at oneself as the, the most important thing? But I think we all know that. We don't want to. We're scared. We want the external hack. So my question for you around that is, what, huh, what took you so long to be able to look at, ah, you know what? I need to work on the most important asset in my business, which is actually me what was it for you? Uh, For me, my personality style, my behavioral style. And I don't know if you want to, if you're an Enneagram person or Myers-Briggs or or DISC assessment, I don't care what assessment you go by. But if you, if anybody's ever met me in person, it is very clear the kind of dominating INTJ that I am. So the biggest shift for me was my behavioral style in general, mm. I don't like to be seen as wrong. Oh, so surprising. I, I don't, but in like, not in a, like, no one likes the bulldozer to bulldozer is always right, right? I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, nobody likes to be wrong. I'm, that's like a fundamental human thing. Like everybody wants to be on the defensive, but from a psychological, it makes me feel like a failure yeah. if anything is wrong. Like, and I don't like people to perceive me as less than in any way. And it's, it's, a long-term I, I, recovering perfectionist, had it since birth. And a lot of that fed into it of, I don't want anybody to, to see that I'm working on myself because that is an admittance that I am not good enough. Ooh, and yes. it, it took me a really long time, a lot of deep diving, a lot of self-work. And I'm still, I mean, it's always a work in progress. I'm not perfect yeah. now. Like, <laughs> I think I'm less perfect than I was when I first discovered it. So I, I think that it's, it was deep rooted in my behavioral style, deep rooted in who I am as a person that any admittance, like even the smallest thing, like even, and this is an extreme example, but I will give it to you anyways, even getting a haircut. I didn't want to admit to anybody that I got a haircut because that admits that my hair wasn't good before. Like mm. we're talking like deep rooted craziness. And that's, we all have a little bit of crazy, all the good people do anyway. So, so let's, I just want to talk about that scenario. So how was it for you mentally in your own space, creating these businesses from that place of, I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to see me that I'm less than I want people to see me as this, but of course, so was that, was that your own version of hell? Was that, was that your driver to be able to be more successful, to get to that point quicker so that you could create that? What, what was that like? It was a driver and a demon. It was for sure it motivated me to push farther, faster. However, Mm. it also prevented me from asking for help and prevented me from reaching out when I did make a big mistake. And it was like, Mm. oh, like no one can know about this mistake. And even though I'm a firm believer now that you don't really make mistakes, you just make choices. And then it's what you do after the mistake. That's the important part. Like 
like arguably, yes, mistakes exist, but in an entrepreneurial mindset, you made a choice and it's not, and yeah, it could be a, a, a productive choice or a less productive choice, but it's really what happens after that choice that counts. It's, you know, mm. it's a choice is a moment in time. You can make 50,000 a day. That's why making the decisions on what to eat so difficult. Like you make so many decisions during a day. Uh, and I think that, yes, it, it was a huge deterrent for me because I didn't, I didn't progress as fast and I stayed small longer than I needed to because I was afraid of going too far and making a big mistake that people would see and notice rather than if I could go back and do it again, I would have made way more mistakes, like fail faster because it doesn't matter what anybody sees because it's the end result. It's not like that you failed. It's that you picked yourself back up again and you did, you learned so quickly from that mistake. And then you went crazy far faster. And I think that's one thing that's really, it was really, it was a drive for me not to make those mistakes, but even more so it stopped me from making progress because I was so afraid that people were going to see that I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm. And that feeds into that, you know, a little bit of that imposter syndrome that a lot of people feel. I was so afraid of that, that I didn't make the big steps. I didn't take the risks and the opportunities that really could have paid off big Yeah, because I was so afraid that people were going to see me as, as. Ooh, so that, that comes into the first step, always a first step avoidance avoidance yeah. of doing a thing and then of course we get triggered at oh this has happened or we're not doing this and then we can justify and complain and deflect all the good things right and then yeah. we're straight back to avoiding again because we're just trying to keep ourselves safe from whatever belief programming fears mm-hmm. that we do have and oh my gosh we've all got them i mean look at where you are now look at the transition that you've made now you know, being a parent oh my gosh, it brings in a new sort of complexity into your sort of business life. And now yes. the work-life balance is, well, was it ever there to start with as an entrepreneur? It's slightly different, but now it's like, oh shit, someone needs my presence and my attention. Yeah. Um, what is this next phase looking like for you? And what is the, what's the next challenge, battle, whatever it is that, that you're kind of working on right now? Well, for sure, when you're an entrepreneur, your set of priorities and your concept of a work-life balance is, like you said, skewed. It's I'm not really a believer in like day-to-day balance because some days are just worse than others. Like some days you've got it all together and like the sun is shining and the rainbows and unicorns. And the next day it's literally just like a tornado of terror of stuff going on. So I it's more like a lifetime work-life balance or like a like a combination over the course of your entire year or month or whatever you want to say, but like day-to-day balances is a perception as well. Mm. Now that I am a parent, uh, (laughs) I got to laugh at myself because when I was pregnant, uh, I kind of, I had this, this vision of like, Oh, I'm going to have the baby. And like two days later, I'll be back at work. And like, nothing will change and I own my businesses. So I do what I want. My baby's going to, I don't need maternity leave, like whatever I do what I want. Mm. And and that's, it did happen that way to an extent in that I was the owner. I do what I want. However, I had a rough birth and was not able to really physically get out of bed um, for like six months. So Mm. my idea of like, I'm just going to have this baby. And then like two days later, go back to work. Mm didn't really, my body was literally just rejected that entire concept. So it made me shift and pivot how I delegated my team, how I relied on people. And it was really the first time I had to really rely on my team and I guess serendipitously or 
I sort of planned it, I guess. I'd like to give myself the benefit of the doubt that I planned it, but I had hired a new manager in one of my businesses while I was pregnant and was really training her. But then I had to rely on her full time because I I had was to that, make that shift, a prioritization shift. Is that one of those amazing scenarios where you know what you should have done, you know where your business was going, but maybe on your own, you would have not quite let go, maybe a bit more oh, yeah. control. So the universe, God, source, whatever you believe in was like, okay, look, if you damn it, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to do it for yeah, you. I'm going to do it for you. And you're not going to like the way I do it. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. It was, it was, I didn't like it. I'm not going to say I liked it, yeah. but that was not, that's not the case. However, I needed it. And yeah. it was, it, it took something like physical, getting kicked down, cannot do like medically can't do stuff for me to let go of my mindset of I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Because I have such a strong will and such a tenacious, you know, I am coyote. I do what I want because I have that in my brain. It literally took a huge medical emergency for my, to forgive myself and to allow me to have someone else help and to rely on my team in a way that I had never relied on. And, and I was a bit micromanaging before that, not mm. in a, um, I mean, not in a horrible way, but I was, I was teaching my team a, to rely on me too much. And yeah. I, I set them up for that. I mean, you teach people how you want to be treated. And I was teaching my team that if they couldn't figure it out, that they just needed to have me do it versus when I had that big medical issue, if you want to call it issue challenge, I had to rely on them to just figure it out and to learn yeah. and to adapt and to grow as employees and as within their own set of teams. And it made all the difference because moving forward from that, it shifted and pivoted everything and the way I handled all of my businesses because I'm like, they don't need me. I mean, they, mm. I mean, they need me. They but need me to write the checks. Logically, logically, you understood this. Logically, you were, you were yeah. kind of doing it. But until you had that experiential understanding, until you had that point of, oh, shit, yeah, I, I see it now. I really see it. Okay, now you've reinforced a brand new belief. You've rewired your brain. You've seen, ah, oh, the promised land is something different. So that's why it kind of works so beautifully. So that's what you needed at the time. Um, what do you need now? Maybe what do you need to sleep? <laughs> I need, let's be honest. I need sleep. All, all moms need sleep, strictly solo moms. We need sleep. Uh, but beyond that, you know, in the last year, I've published two books and started a podcast and started homeschooling my child. And, you know, a year before that I moved across an ocean. So mm. a lot of, a lot of big changes happened in a very short amount of time and good changes. I would yeah. say they're all good changes. However, it's forced me to reshift everything again. Like, how am I going to run my businesses? How am I going to prioritize differently? And how am I going to overcome new challenges that I face as a, well, I've always been a solo parent, but now that I'm homeschooling and a solo parent and started another business last year and have the books and all the things that there is a point where you're like, uh, did I overstep this year? Did I take too many this year? And with that comes this new blooming and blossoming of, you want to give it a positive association of, of imposter syndrome. And yeah. 
even with achievements and doing it all on your own and, you know, raising your kid and and doing what you think is right, there's always going to be outside pressure and there's always going to be a perception of pressure, even if there isn't. Mm. So, yeah, you know, you think that people care more than they do. You think that they're judging you when they don't, again, like people are only interested in themselves. And I know that sounds harsh. However, the it's biological. Your number one thing is you. So no one's really thinking about it the way you're thinking about it, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to think about it. And even me, I don't really care what anybody has to think about me. It's not really, um, I don't really have the bandwidth in my day to be sitting around wondering what other people have to think about me. Yeah. You've got a gazillion other other more important things to do. So part of that, you know, I call it like the busy culture. Like, Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And I hate that word. I super hate it. I wrote a whole chapter about it. I hate it so much. So it's really a a a reprioritization and uh, understanding what's important to you. And then the more, the more important it is to you, the harder you can fall. And the more you achieve, the more you start to see and feel this. What if I do fall? And Mm. Like, yeah, I know how to avoid this, this, and this, and this, but now there's a whole new set of possible failures that can come. And am I doing enough? Am I reaching far enough? Am I pushing myself enough? I can tell my clients all day long. I can write about it, like push yourself, do this, do this. Am I doing that? And so it creates this new sense of imposter syndrome. There's that full circle. So started out bulldozing from fear, from doubts, needing help, can't ask for help. Now down to this i mean there's, there's no end result we continue until we're we're no longer able to, to live we're this six life. feet under exactly yeah. but the point is it, it's that fear it, it never goes away there's always a next iteration there's always a next place and to tie it in you're actually saying the same story now as you were when you first started exactly yeah. the same different scenario different things at play but mm-hmm. it's the fe- the feeling the flavor is still the same i love the fact that we can sort of tie that in beautifully so look Amanda, thank you so, so much for sharing oh, your story behind the scenes, what it's like for you and and, and your clients and you know, what you're going through right now, how it's, what it is like. It's it's always tough. There's so much going on. But and thank it's you always sharing. evolving. It's always evolving. Well, thank you for having me. And for anyone out there who's listening and thinking like, oh my God, is this ever going to end? Um, no. Not if you stay as an entrepreneur, it's just going to evolve. It's just going to change. You're going to recognize it easier and you're going to evolve and grow Mm. above it faster. It's never going to be easy if you're doing it right. It's just going to change and evolve. And and that's kind of the fun of being an entrepreneur is like the challenge Mm. and the excitement and the movement. And, um, you know, it just gets how you, how you approach it, how you engage in it. And this is the, yeah. We can both have the same situation, approach in a different way. It'll affect us differently. So that's why it's so important to, again, come back down to don't put off taking care of yourself. You are the most important asset within your business, hands down, bar none. Oh, my gosh. Look, Amanda, if you want to find out more about, about you and the amazing work that you do, where can they find you? The best place to find me right now is at my website. It's afconsultingteam.com. You can also find me at any of my books and podcasts, and that is thepursuitofbadassery.com. So those two places, I hang out a lot, probably more than I should, and you can definitely find me there. Fantastic. Amanda, thank you so much for being here and sharing today. Thank you so much for having me and have a great day. You're welcome. 
Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.